There's a guy called Nicodemus, and he was kind of one of the religious leaders, one of the religious elite of the time when Jesus was uh, walking on this earth. And he came to Jesus uh, because he wanted to find out who this guy was. And actually, he came to Jesus at night under the cover of darkness, and he kind of started inquiring of Jesus, you know, what, what is going on? Who are you, really? Uh, and there's an incredible passage. Uh, it's actually a brief passage in John 3 uh, that details this encounter that Nicodemus and Jesus has. But in it, we find this incredible richness explaining who Jesus is. You know, it's kind of like the basic, it's almost like alpha. You know, it's like, who is Jesus? Why did he have to die? How and why can I have faith? Uh, and Jesus takes Nicodemus on this crash course and it's an amazing piece of scripture it's where we get the phrase being born again from you know it was Jesus that said that we need to be born again he said it to Nicodemus uh, just before uh, he uttered these words Uh, but I'd love us just to start today by reading this together Uh, so why don't we uh, why don't we just all read this out loud for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for for this moment uh, that we get uh, to open your word together. Lord, we thank you that we do get to do it together. Lord, we thank you for all of the opportunities that you give us uh, to be in your family and to know you as a family. Lord, thank you that we don't have to do this stuff on our own. Jesus, I pray that as uh, we take this moment, that you would shape us and mould us, Holy Spirit, equip us for all that you're calling us to. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, let me tell you where we're going to be going today and over the next uh, couple of weeks. We're going to be spending a little bit of time talking about giving. Yeah, it's a topic that we, that we love to talk about, actually, at St. Paul's. We don't talk about it loads, but we love to talk about it. One of the things, if you're new here, or if you haven't been tracking with us for a while, you, that you might have noticed is we don't take up an offering, like a cash offering, uh, in the service. Uh, and there are a couple of reasons for that. One of the reasons is, I mean, no one really has cash on them anymore, so it, kind of, it almost felt a little bit of a redundant thing to do. But, but actually, we really want people to take the time as well to think about how they give to God, how they give to, to God's family. Uh, and, and we encourage people to go away and to wrestle with that, to think about that. And, uh, and so there's ways that you can give. We've got a card machine at the back. There's a box that you can drop stuff in. You can, uh, you can write a check even if you... Has anyone got a, che- anyone got a checkbook anymore? No. Maybe three of us. Um, you can write a check, you can put an envelope, you can do all of that stuff. And, uh, and actually, if you want to find out some of the technical stuff about how to give to St. Paul's, you can go to sps.church forward slash give, and you can see that on the website. But one of our key values is that actually we want to really think about this. And, uh, and a couple of times a year, uh, we do a little series. We think about generosity, we think about giving, we think about how and why we're called to give. Uh, financially, but also with all the resources that we have available to us in our lives. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit over the coming weeks. And, uh, and today, I want to spend just a little bit of time just kind of looking at the, the why, kind of the big question of why, of generosity, of giving as a value. Uh, and then next week, uh, we've got our treasurer, Timmy, uh, who... 
Yeah, who is going to be coming, and he's going to be speaking to us uh, and talking to us a little bit more about the how. Uh, he's going to get a bit more technical uh, with us. So we're going to kind of go sort of a bit more big picture values today, uh, and then Timmy's going to come and talk to us a little bit more about the how uh, next week. And then the following week, uh, which I think is the 26th, I'm really looking forward to this on 26th. We're going to do a bit of a tag team preach, and so we've got three people who are going to speak at the 10.30 a.m., uh, and three people that are going to speak at the 6 p.m., uh, and just kind of do some sort of five-minute slots just thinking about this whole area of generosity in our lives and what it really means for us uh, as people of God in this family of God. So that's kind of where we're going over the next uh, three weeks. And I'm excited about that because uh, I think it's a really important topic for us to look at. And, and everything that I talk about now today, actually, we can apply that to all areas of giving in our life. So giving of our time and of our energy, but also giving of our finances. And actually, we know that how we give financially, what we do with our money is so, so important. You know, Jesus talks about that more than almost anything else. When we look at the teachings of Jesus over the three years that are recorded in his Gospels, Jesus talks about money so much. Jesus says, where your treasure is, so there is your heart. And I think what Jesus is doing here as he kind of unpacks in John 3.16, what he's kind of unpacking to Nicodemus here is kind of a renewing, I think, of a world order. Uh, and I think this is an important thing for us to get a hold of. And actually, I think it's a great thing for us to really see in this passage, a passage that we're probably familiar with, a passage that we see all over the place. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, I think what Jesus did uh, was he came in order to restate and reinstall a new world order of something that had gone wrong. And I, I want to illustrate this to you just by showing you Genesis 3, 6. It would have been great if it was Genesis 3, 16, wouldn't it? But it's not. It's Genesis 3, uh, 6. Uh, and this is kind of really where it all went wrong. In Genesis 3, 6, it says, When the woman saw the fruit of the tree, that it was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. You know, and of course, this short verse here kind of is found in the creation story at the beginning of the Bible. Uh, this story about how where, uh, you know, God gave uh, life to this world. You know, breathed order and life into chaos. Uh, and he created man and woman. Uh, and he gave them freedom in the garden. But there was a boundary around that. Um, one of the boundaries here was that you mustn't eat from uh, the tree of the knowledge of good uh, and evil. And, uh, and then we see the story play out, and of course you'll know the story, that Eve, the woman, she sees, she takes the apple, she eats some, she gives it to her husband, she gives it to Adam. And this is the fall of man, mankind, selfishness, coming into the world. And if you like, I think this is the reversal of what we see in John 3, 16. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing for the eye. And, and it's interesting, that word pleasing literally means to, almost to lust after. It's about self-interest. You know, quite the opposite to what we see in John 3.16, which we're going to come back to in a moment. Uh, this love, this self-giving, this selflessness. This is about self-interest, lust. She sees and she takes. And it leads to... Death. 
sin and death comes into the world. Yeah, it's like this is a tragedy that we see right at the beginning of Scripture. As men and women fall, they lust, they take, and they die. But that's not the end, because Jesus comes to the earth. And it says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So we're just going to pick that apart a little bit. But I want you to understand what Jesus is doing here is he is kind of, kind of coming and rebooting the way that we do life. Kind of reinstalling what should have been there but was taken away at the beginning. I've kind of called this talk Love, Give, Live. Love, give, live. Uh, And I think what we see here is kind of a divine order, a divine pattern that we're called to kind of follow after. And of course, as, as all good things do, it begins with love. You know, our God is a God of love. You know, actually, in fact, our God is love. Our God is love. You know, this is one of my most favorite things that we see in Scripture. You know, not just that God loves, but that God is love. You know, love is and comes from and kind of all stems from God, because God is love. Just think about that for a second. God doesn't just love, but he is love. He's the source of it all. So whenever we talk about love, we're, we're talking about God himself. I love this passage here because it says, God so loved. When I was uh, just thinking about this talk, I thought, well, I'm going to go back and just, I'm just going to check that that so is there in the Greek. Because it kind of, you know, I don't know if you've ever done any kind of like language studies where you look at scripture and you think, you think I'm going to find out what that is. And then you think, oh, hmm, hang on, that, that was the English one. That's not really there in the Greek. And that, someone's obviously, there's a kind of paraphrased it out of the original language. And, and, and you kind of have to sort of take the whole passage to kind of work out the meaning. But I, I looked at this passage and it's there. You know, you get this adverb before the verb. You know, that God so loved. And I love this because there's like this point of emphasis that Jesus is making. Yeah, God loved the world. God so loved the world. And so what we're talking about here is this emphasis of love. And I think there's an emphasis about the fact that it is a verb. And it's got an adverb before it. I'm not going to talk any more about grammar, you know, because I don't really understand it. Is that right? You know, my dad always used to say to me, the only thing Phil knows about grammar is that she lives in Scotland. Um, but, he, but, but you get my point, okay? You know, what we've got here is Jesus is emphasizing the fact that God so loved, and love is a verb, it's about action. He says, God so loved that he, love leads to action. Yeah, I was reminded about this again this week. We had the leadership conference. A few of us from the team went there. In fact, a whole little gang of us went from St. Paul's, which was really exciting. Leadership conference with the HTB and the Alpha Network over at the Royal Albert Hall. And then on the Wednesday, there was an Alpha Global Day with people from all around the world who gathered together just to think about how we're spreading the good news about Jesus and using some of the tools that are coming out of Alpha. And Charlotte and I were asked to go and 
help on a little panel about the marriage courses uh, and just talk a little bit about um, those tools that we've been given to help invest in family life. And Charlotte's great at these things. And she started talking all about love languages. And um, I don't know if any of you have done the marriage course or you've come across this little bit of teaching from a guy called Gary Chapman. And uh, he talks about love languages, that actually there are five different love languages, kind of ways that we express love. And, and actually, you know, we need to understand what one another's love languages are in order to really be able to love them well. And I know this, and I'm terrible at this, and I'm always reminded and challenged about this whenever we think about this, because I'm, I'm not great at this. And, and one of the love languages actually is gifts, to receive and to give. And, and, and this is one of the reasons why I know that my wife is so much more divine than I, because her love language is to give and to do gifts, and I'm terrible at this. But I think what we learn when we look at this teaching you know, is that love is not a feeling. God so loved that he, there's an action that love requires. Love is not about feeling something, it's about doing something. Love is always active. You know, if love is not expressed, love is empty. And we see here that God so loved that he gave. God so loved that he gave. You know, our God is a generous God. That's my testimony. Can anyone else agree with that? That God is generous? Yeah, is anyone, there's a few nods here. I'm not, yeah, lots of nods here. Great. You know, I know in my life that God has been so generous to me. He's been generous to me financially and resources you know I've never gone without need you know God has always met me even at times where you know I remember when I left school I, I joined a missionary organization and uh, and I was kind of living by faith if you like I didn't receive a salary and some people said well it will support you a little bit and I just had a little bit you know not a lot but it was amazing to see the way that God gave and I was able to travel. The kind of things that you only get to do when you go on a missionary organization or something like that. And we ended, you know, I ended up traveling to Iceland to encourage people from Iceland to go on missions in North America because someone had had this amazing kind of prophetic sense that you know, there was this reversal of the slave trade that people had gone from, uh, from Northern Africa and been taken into Iceland. And, uh, and we thought, actually, we need to see this reversal of this. And so we ended up traveling to Iceland and doing a whole load of, uh, of work, with, particularly around with youth groups, and uh, to encourage them to get stuck into mission in Africa. It was incredible. But you know, and I was able to do it because God met me in all of my needs. It was incredible. God was so generous to me. And actually, that's something that I have seen over and over again uh, in my life. You know, God loves me and he has expressed that to me by meeting my needs. But you know, it's not just been about finances and resources. You know, God has met me in my mistakes and has been so generous to me with second chances, third chances, fourth and fifth chances. You know, he's met me in my failures. He's met me physically when I've been in ill health. You know, he's been generous to me. He enabled Charlotte and I to have a child that we thought, in fact, we were told that we would never be able to have. You know, God has been so generous. God so loved me that he gave. 
You know, God so loves you that he gave. You know, our God's love is active. You know, what's incredible about the way that God loves that we see here is that God gives it all. God so loved the world that he gave one of his sons. So that's not what it says, is it? God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. You know, God gave it all. You know, so often when we think about giving and uh, particularly when we think about finances, we talk about, you know, tithing and we think about principles of percentage and, uh, and, and, and I think there's some, there's, it's really, there's some good stuff in there. Because, you know, one of the hardest things when we start coming to think about how do we give financially is where, where do we even start? Because actually it's quite a difficult thing to think through. And I know Timmy's going to get all technical with us next week and just start thinking about some of the hows as we kind of process this stuff, particularly around finances. But, you know, I want to say to you, when we're reflecting, Reflecting God, when we're putting this new divine order and pattern of love and give and life together, it's not about 10%. You know, we're talking about 100%. God gave his only son. Only, he didn't have a backup plan. He didn't keep some extra. He didn't have 90% in his pocket. God gave it all. And I think this is the pattern that we see then rolled out in the New Testament. You know, that actually the believers, the followers of Jesus gave everything. I mean, they gave their very lives for the sake of the good news of Jesus and getting that out around the world. You know, we read about how all had what they needed in the church because people shared everything. People laid everything down for the sake of one another. That's the kind of giving that we see. Uh, you know, it's like God is saying, uh, look, come on, actually, it's all mine anyway. Let me use it to bless others, to bless you. There's this posture of surrender that we see rolled out across the New Testament when it comes to loving and giving. That is about 100%. I love the story that we see in Luke 21. Three verses, I'm going to read it to you. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow. And she put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. These people gave gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty. She put in all that she had to live on. You know, sometimes we can think that we need to get in order to give. Yeah, we, we kind of need to accumulate in order to activate. But that's the wrong order. That's not the way it works. That's not the pattern that God sets down for us to follow and to reflect you know, so often we can think, well, look, maybe when I'm earning X, whatever it is, you know, then, then maybe I'll be able to give or I'll be able to give a bit more. You know, maybe when I've, you know, maybe when I finally got onto the housing ladder, you know, then, then I'm going to be able to, to do that kind of giving. You know, maybe when I've actually got that job, then I'm going to be able to give in that way. 
You know, when, when I've sorted out that student loan, you know, then, then I'm going to be able to actually be really generous. But that's not how it works. We give it all, whether we have a little or a lot. Every time I say that, I keep thinking of Jenny from the block. Is anyone else there? Are you there? I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been holding that one in from the start. I keep saying it. It's a, bit of an, it's a bit of an old analogy now. But hey, you know, I used to have a little, now I have a lot. Um, you know, the pattern that God gives to us is that everything is required. You know, I often say, you know, God's love is free, but his life will cost you everything. You know, we're called to lay down our lives, to pick up our cross and to follow Jesus. This is not a 10% thing. It's not a 20% thing. This is a 100% thing. You know, we're called to give it all, and we're called to give it now. You know, let's not put it off and say, once I get to there, then I'll be able to. You know, like the widow in this story, you know, let's just give out of whatever we have. Let's give it all for Jesus. Let's not try and accumulate stuff in order to activate stuff. The truth is we can give out of our poverty even because we can never outgive God. You know, God will always meet us in our need. It was great that we spent that moment praying in this service, lifting up our needs. You know, we know that God will meet us in those. You know, I know that. I've seen that time and time again in my life. And I know that that is so many of your stories too. We can give out of even our poverty and our weakness because we know that we can never outgive God. We activate, therefore, in order to accumulate. That's the right order. As we give... Well, we receive. God promises to meet us, to give to us. And you know what the amazing thing is? Is that God gives life. God loves. God gives. God gives life. You know, and that's the amazing context for all of this. You know, we receive life as we give. And actually, as we give, others receive life. Yeah, there's a principle in here uh, about the fact that giving does not diminish us. Yeah, kind of giving it in the economy of God is kind of additive. As we give, we gain. We're able to give away to bless others. I mean, it's, it's why one of the key kind of pillars of our vision here and one of our key values is about planting you know, we've got a big vision here at St. Paul Shabbat to make disciples, to transform communities and to plant churches. And I, I met with a bunch of Australian pastors this week who'd come here because they wanted to hear some of your story, you know, about how it is that you've been able to plant and give away so much. Now, you know, I mean, if you're new here today, there's an amazing work that God has been doing here and continues to do in this place. As we've seen in the last nine years, four significant plants being sent out from this place. In, in the last three years, uh, we've seen six people sent out to be trained up for ordained leadership in the Church of England. Yeah, in fact, three of them are about to get ordained in a, in a couple of weeks' time, which is really, really exciting. You, know, you should come and support them. If you're not sure when, come and grab me afterwards. I'll tell you about it. In the last two years, we've been able to support and send people out to our first grandchild church plant that's been planted from one of our other plants. We've been able to support a group who've gone out even south of the river. 
And of course, this year we were able to work with Father Bernard and uh, send him out into Austria, into Vienna, to plant a new church out there. And uh, we've been able to celebrate and champion what Jason and Pam are doing as they plant a new church uh, based out of Husk. You know, it's amazing that we get to celebrate this stuff. But you, do you know what I was, I was saying to these guys, and these Australians that came over to hear your story? It's really hard. It's really hard because generosity costs. And with every plant, our leaders go. With every plant, givers go. You know, with every plant, families, children go. You know, with every plant, people that are championing the good news of Jesus go. And that's a really exciting thing, but it's hard. And there is a cost for us as a church. You know, I believe that's a cost that we're called to bear. Because we love, therefore we give And the giving results in life, in new life. And that's the pattern that we want to see outplayed here at St. Paul's Shadwell on a a big picture level over and over and over. You know, but that's only a picture that we see played out on a big kind of church planting level because that is a picture that we see played out on an individual family level for us. Each one of us loving and giving, giving life in the way that Jesus gave life. You know, one incredible thing that we are called to, one inspiring thing that we are called to pursue, this vision that God has given to us. You know, giving is not diminishing us. Giving is additive. It brings new life. It is productive. It's who we are called to be. St. Paul Shadwell is full of givers. That's why I love being a part of this family. You know, as we just kind of wrap up this kind of thinking about love and giving and life, I just want us just to think a little bit about, you know, God gives life. You know, what does it mean? God gives, what kind of life are we talking about? You know, what we see here in the passage that it's eternal life. Eternal life. You know what? Just think about that for a moment. This is what we're talking about here. This is the additive that's coming to us. Eternal life. That's why Jesus could teach and say, don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth, which is just going to rust and get destroyed. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. You know, because our perspective is eternal. You know, and that's the kind of life that God is giving to us. Eternal life. There's another kind of life that Jesus talks about. In John 10.10, he talks about life in all of its fullness. You know, I think this is one of the other things that we can kind of get stuck on a little bit when we think about giving. If we're thinking about giving, you know, I don't know if I can really give, you know, time into that ministry because I'm not sure I've really got the time to give or, you know, I'm a bit tight this month and I'm not sure I can give in the way that I'd like to give as a part of my worship. And actually there's a whole ton of stuff that I'm trying to, you know, I want to have an exciting and a full life. And so that is what Jesus promises you. Life in all of its fullness You know, that's not something that we have to go out and take. That's something that we are able to receive. That's what Jesus has on offer. Life in all of its fullness. It doesn't mean that it won't be hard sometimes. You know, again, that's my testimony. I know life has been really tough. But man, life has been so full, so rich. 
as God has met me and given to me. I wouldn't want it any other way. But yeah, it's been painful sometimes. But it's been so full. I'm so excited that Jesus gives me life in all of its fullness and that's a life that is eternal. You know, Jesus also says, give and it will be given to you. I'm going to kind of wind it up on this one. It's one of my favourite kind of pictures that we get around giving and around the way that, that God uh, kind of uh, gives to us. You know, give and it will be given to you. And what I love here is this picture of the measure that we receive from God. You know, when we say we can't outgive God, you know, I want you to think about this. You know, imagine sitting where you're sitting right now and you've got a bowl on your lap and, uh, and, and someone's pouring water into it. And, and actually your lap is now getting soaking wet because they didn't stop when it got to the top of the bowl, but it kept on uh, being poured in and now it's overflowing and you are soaking wet. You know, that is what Jesus talks about. He says, give and it will be given to you a good measure, poured out, pressed down, overflowing into your lap. You know, there's a picture of abundance there. You know, so when we're thinking about giving, when we're thinking about the way that we activate our love in order to bring life to others, you know, actually on the back of that, we know that God is pouring back into us. You know, he doesn't just pour a little bit, he pours a lot. I'm going into Jenny from the block again. He doesn't just pour a little, he pours a lot. And that's just the most exciting thing. I love that. I just, there's so many, I'm probably stealing all your thunder now, Timmy. There's so many amazing pictures that we get in scripture of how God is so generous to us. You know, and it's because this is the crux of the gospel, of the good news that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, whenever we talk about giving, that's the context right there. That's the pattern that God has laid out for us, that God demonstrates to us. And you know that we are called in the church to be people that hold up the image of God, that reflect the image of God to this world. That's what God looks like. That's what we're called to look like too.